0: Pleasant memories, delighting in one another. Quick recap, so we're in Thessalonica, where is Thessalonica? Where actually is it? Greece, but <coughs> Macedonia, so a bit further north, okay, so on, but that, that, that area there. How long was Paul in Thessalonica? Three weeks, Three weeks or so, Acts chapter 17, okay, all right. And um, where is Paul when he's writing the letter? Any ideas? Not Rome. He's probably in Corinth. He might be in Athens. But that's in the, in the south. Okay? So he's gone south, Athens uh, and uh, Corinth. And uh, how long is it since he's been in Thessalonica? Roughly. About a year. I, mean, I don't know exactly, but something around a year since he was there. So it's, it's nine months and a week. No, sorry, eleven months and a week since they saw him, and he saw them. That's quite a while, isn't it? You've only known someone for three weeks, and then eleven months and a week later, they're at their, you know they're thinking about you. They the, 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 Paul and the Thessalonians, created such special, such a special bond and such great memories in that short three-week period that basically a year later, Paul has pleasant memories. They have pleasant memories of him. They truly, as a fellowship, delighted in Paul. He delighted in them. He, they delighted him with the fact they had pleasant memories. And he was delighted to hear they had pleasant memories. This is the kind of relationship that Paul has with these Thessalonians. And it is a model for us as to how our relationships are meant to be. How God has designed us to be as a Christian fellowship is to be people that create Pleasant memories and who delight in seeing one another. And if we could just do that Wouldn't that be a great witness to the world? I mean there's some other things we can do But if we could just be the kind of people who delight to see one another That would tell the world something wouldn't it? It really would Delighting in one another There are lots of things to be delighted in in life aren't there? What are some things that we delight in? What do you delight in? Like it lights up your face. Like, oh, good. A new baby. Huh? A new baby. A new baby whether it's yours or one, so one of your children's. <laughs> right, okay, Grandchi- <laughs> grandchild baby. Okay, so a new, a new grandchild baby. Yeah, okay, so what else do we delight in? My wife. <laughs> that is the correct answer, Charlie. <laughs> Charlie wins the prize. Your wife got that in quick, well done. What else do we delight in? Passing a test. Passing a test. Okay, getting a good mark and passing. What else? Good food. Good food. Good food. For some people, it's just food. But even better, good food. Okay, what else? What delight. What was that? Sticky toffee pudding. Sticky toffee pudding. You're talking my language. With custard? With custard. Okay, very good. A job well done. A job well done, satisfied. Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> what else? Thank you cards. Thank you cards, when people write you a thank you card. That's a delight, isn't it? Especially when you're not expecting it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Surprised by a, a thank you. Simon? Okay, like good news from a disaster, but some good news, like someone escaping from the rubble or something like that. Yeah, that's delight. That's a delight, isn't it? When your team wins. When your team wins. Whichever team that is. Uh, I know what team it is in your household. Of course, it's Vicky's team, her netball team, right? It is. What's their name again? Leeds Rhinos. Okay, when the Leeds Rhinos netball team wins, then the Oyeshele house is full of delight. Yeah, when your team wins. Lots of things we delight in. Some of them are, are, are things like sport and things like that, or food, and some of them are about one another. And we're going to learn a few things today, I think, in this passage. So what I'd like to do is I would like to kind of talk through the passage and look at the relationship between Paul and the Thessalonians, and then draw out a couple of practical things we, I think, might find useful. I hope so. So let's go back to the text here, and in verse, uh, where are we, verse 6. Okay. Timothy has just now come to us from you. So Paul, remember, Paul, earlier in the chapter, and in chapter 2, he says, I really wanted to go and see you. I've tried again and again and again. And what stopped him? Do you remember? Do you remember what got in the way of him going himself? Only one thing was able to stop him. Satan. Satan. The devil himself was the only thing that stopped him from going. It wasn't circumstances, it wasn't resources. The devil actually stopped him, which is quite something when you think about it, that uh, what stops me from fellowshipping with my friends? Ah, uh, tiredness, the rain, it's cold, can't be bothered, got a headache. Satan was the only thing that stopped the fellowship here for poor with them. Anyway, so he's, he can't go, but he sends Timothy. Timothy goes, he comes back, he gives a good report. In fact, the the good news there, good news about your faith and love, that word is gospel. So he's got the gospel about faith, their faith and love. It's good news. And faith and love is what they are known for. And of course, that's what Paul says in Galatians 5 verse 6. The only thing that counts is what? Faith expressing itself through love. Faith expressing itself through love. That's all that counts. And he says that's what they have as a strength. He's told us you always have pleasant memories and that you long to see us as we long to see you. Uh, they they, they has a desire to be close. And therefore, brothers and sisters, in all our distress and persecution, we are encouraged about you because of your faith. Distress and persecution, there the words in the Greek, mean like a choking, pressing care. The kind of thing that makes you feel like you're, you're, you're claustrophobic. That's the kind of concern that he's had, that he, the problems that he has at the moment in his current distress where he is. And persecution, uh, which is, again, a crushing trouble. So it's not like it's a bit of an annoyance, what's going on for me right now. It's that I'm, I'm, I'm being tripped up, I'm being suffocated, I'm claustrophobic with the persecution and the troubles I have, but I've got good news about your faith. So I am, overall, encouraged. And that's one of the things that fellowship brings us. It brings us to the capacity to be encouraged in the middle of all of our troubles, Because nothing's ever completely black and dark and empty and void and miserable if you've got a good friend. If you know you've got a friend, then you can cope with just about anything. But pity the man or woman in Christ who who has all the troubles that many of us have and doesn't have a real friend in Christ. Yes, we have Jesus as our friend and we understand that and He is enough. But that's not how we're designed to live. with just that. We're designed to be in community. To be there for each other, to support one another. And that's what's going on here. He feels this encouragement in the middle of a mess and a miserable time. He's encouraged. He says in verse 8, I love this phrase, for now we really live. Now we really live. Okay, it's not like he's not alive. I mean, he's living, he's breathing. But he says, I really live. And what is it that makes, you, makes him feel like, I'm really alive now. I was kind of alive. Now I'm really alive is the good news about their faith. It's the good news of the pleasant memories that they have. It's a, it's a powerful thing. It's like, it's like Paul's been down there in Athens or, or Corinth. And it's like his life has been on hold, waiting for the news from Timothy. He sends Timothy off. Off he goes. It takes quite a while journeying in those days. Might have taken weeks for him to get up to Thessalonica. He's up there for a while, a few weeks, perhaps, getting back. And he's like, "When is he coming back? When is he coming back? When is he coming back? Is he coming back tomorrow? Is it the next day? When is Timothy coming back? I wonder what the news is." It's like his life is on hold until he gets the news. A certain sense of positive anxiety, one could say. And uh, and then it says that, uh, "How can we thank God enough for you in return?" For all the joy we have in the presence of our God because of you. How can we thank God enough for you? You see the fullness of his feelings here. It's like, I'm gonna pray and thank God. Oh, it's not enough thanking. I'll do some more thanking uh, to, to God in his presence for you. You know, still not enough thanking. Okay, a bit more thanking. And a bit more thanking. And a bit more. And I can't, I can't thank God enough. Oh dear, I've gotta to go to work. I have to stop thanking for a bit. I'll tell you what, I'll do some more thanking at lunchtime. Oh, then i got a phone call. I'll thank some more after the phone. I mean, he just, it overflows from him. Thanking God for these people. Thanking God for you in return for all the joy he has. Night and day we pray most earnestly that we may see you again. You know, earlier in Thessalonians, in chapter one, verse, chapter 2, verse 9, he said he worked night and day while he was with them so he wouldn't be a burden to them financially. Well, he's not there anymore, but he's still night and day involved with them. Night and day working, night and day praying. Now our work and our prayer go together, and some of our work as Christians is prayer. And there's a delight in prayer, and there's a wonderful sense of connection with God in prayer. But it also has to be said that prayer is work in a sense. It does take something from you when you really pray from your heart. To God and four people, and I would like to encourage us just with, with our quick thoughts. If you find prayer hard, you're not not alone, and it doesn't mean there's something wrong with your prayer life. Prayer, striving in prayer, is something we do. God, uh, Jesus did it, and and Paul did it, night and day. So we may see you again. He still wants to see them. He's got some good news, but he wants to see them. Supply what is lacking in your faith. He wants to be a blessing to you. And then verse 11 to verse 13 is interesting because I think it's kind of a, it's like a model prayer. Sometimes Paul in his letters spontaneously kind of breaks into prayer. You see it in most of his epistles. And this is one of those examples. There's another example in chapter five towards the end of the book, verse 23 to 24. And you might find it a fruitful Bible study of your own to pick a, a letter like Thessalonians, and look at the times when Paul is writing, but he's also kind of praying, and look at those prayers, and ask yourself what you learn about the prayer priorities to Paul and what he's trying to communicate, because I think there's a reason why he writes them down. I think they're genuine prayers of his, but I think they're written down so that they could also be a model to the Thessalonians, and perhaps also to you and me. And maybe you don't know what to pray about. Maybe you're stuck for something to pray about. Well, Psalms are always useful, but what about one of Paul's model prayers? What about taking this and praying about through this for, for other people? May our God and Father himself and our Lord Jesus clear the way for us to come to you. Oh God, clear the way so I can go and see a friend of mine. Clear the way. Make my schedule open up. Make it possible I can go and see somebody. You what sort I of mean using it as a template for our own prayer. You might find that useful. I think that's what he's, uh, he's doing here. He wants to go and be with them. He wants it to be possible for him to come to them. His heart Wants to be with them. His body wants to be with them. The, uh, he wants, in other words, relationship, not just communication. This is a challenge for our generation, more so, perhaps, than any other. Because communication is easy. Communication is cheap. Communication is swift. But it's not the same as a relationship. It contributes to relationship, but it is not all of what relationship is. When I was a kid growing up, uh, making phone calls was very expensive. Mm-hmm. Uh, I may have told you this story before, but my father located the telephone of our house in the coldest part of the house. <laughs> there was no heating in the, in the in the little hallway lobby where the phone was. The, por- the phone was there, it was cold. There was also nowhere to sit down. <laughs> so you couldn't make a phone call and sit down. Not only that, um, but I was told I wasn't allowed to use the telephone without permission. And uh, he <laughs> he bought, I don't know how he got it, I suppose he bought one of those egg timers. You know, you can flip over, and it, takes three, it took three minutes for the sand to go from the top part to the bottom part, and it was mounted on a little wooden plaque, and with a swivel thing, right? And on the plaque was written, three minutes a call keeps the bill small. <laughs> so you had to, if you had made a call, you had to flip it over, and you were watching it go down, and you had to end the phone call before three minutes were up, because it did, there was a big jump in price in those days between three minutes and more, where at least as I grew up. So, that, you know, communication was slower and more expensive back in the day. For us, goodness me. I mean, you can get hold of pretty much anybody, anywhere, anytime with so many different means, right? But we must not mistake communication for relationship. Being together, there is no substitute for physical time together. Talking, praying, eating, laughing, whatever we're doing, journeying, doing a project together serving together, there's nothing like it. Years ago, Penny and I had a, um, we had a, a like a, a, um, a they, were, they were engaged couples, weren't they? I'm just thinking about that time when we lived in Wheelstone. They were all engaged, I think, right? So we had, there were several engaged people in the church and we had an engaged couples mentoring sort of group. We met once, once in a while and there were three or four or five in the, in the group, There's a lot of people engaged. And uh, the first time we met, we sat in the lounge, and I asked everybody, how did you first notice each other? Like, when was the first moment you thought, Ooh, I'd like to get to know him better or her better? When did you first notice? It was fascinating, because every single person said a variation on the same thing. So I'll give you examples. Uh, one person said, well, when they were song leading, I noticed. I thought, "Oh, I'd like to get to know them. Another person said, well, when we were teaching a class in children's ministry together, I thought, oh, maybe. Another person said, well, we were cooking food together for our family group. And I thought, I'd really like to get to know that person better. And it went on and on. There were four or five couples, every single person mentioned that they first noticed the other person when they saw them serving. There's something about being together or working together that deepens our relationships. And that's not to say everybody who serves together ends up getting married or anything like that. <laughs> that's not, not the point. Not the point at all, but there's something about being in close proximity and doing things together that, that deepens and opens us up to a deeper relationship. Now, I, I really pray and hope. I, I think this church, from my perspective, I think we love each other. I think we, we like each other most of the time, I think, but, you know, generally. I think we get along really well. But we must never be satisfied with enough of, I know some people, you know, or I got one good friend, or maybe two. We need more than that. We need to be a congregation which is known for the depth of its love. Depth, deep depth. And that will come about by a number of things, but at least not without being physically together. He's not satisfied with communication, he wants presence. Mm-hmm. I want to go and see you. Yes, Timothy's brought me good news, fabulous, but I want to see you. And what does he want to do? He, uh, he wants to strengthen them. They, May God strengthen your hearts so that you may be blameless and holy. And he urges them that their love increase and overflow. Increase and overflow. Because if it increases enough, eventually, it will overflow. Overflowing love. Churches that belong to Jesus Christ fundamentally should be places where love overflows. Within it, and then overflows outside. But it starts here, right? If we're not overflowing here we can't really overflow elsewhere. So let me let me draw a couple of thoughts to this and then we'll uh, close. You can go to the next slide please. Who's that? Ringo, Ringo Starr. Do you, are you a fan? Yes. Yeah, Fan of Ringo? I don't really know much about Ringo. He's, he's the one I don't know much about, you know, I mean, Paul and, and, and John and George, fine, you know, but Ringo. I was, uh, I was at home, Penny was, Penny was visiting your, your, uh, her father, Her father and uh, I was at home, and I was, you know, it was late in the evening, and I was a bit bored. And I found myself uh, on YouTube, sure. as you do, <laughs> and I don't know what was happening, but, but some videos of, of Ringo Starr popped up on my feed. And I thought, you know, I don't know anything about Ringo. Let me find out some things about Ringo. So I watched a couple of things, and watched some, and you know, and it, it, it's jolly stuff. Um, and the thing, so there is relevance here. The thing, <laughs> you'll see Ringo there with his, it's a trademark thing of him putting on his, you know, things like that. And what is he, do you know what he says at the end of just about every song, everything he says? Peace and love. Peace and love. He says peace and love. And I, I, I rather like that, I mean, there's nothing wrong with that. But actually, what we need is not so much peace and love as we need love and faith. Love and faith. You see, the faith thing is missing. Because it's faith in our God, the strength of faith in our God that enables us to love people the way they need to be loved. And indeed that will bring the peace that we need. We need faith and love fundamentally. And What Paul is saying here is, I can help you with that. That's why I want to be with you. I want to help your faith grow. I want to help your love grow. I'd love to bless you. And so here's a thought for us. This is one of the reasons we meet together. One of the reasons we meet up, not just here in this building, but when we meet for a coffee or when we pray together, we meet to chat and talk. Part of the reason is, how can I be a blessing to your faith? How can you be a blessing to my faith? How can I be a blessing to your capacity to love like Christ? And how can you be a blessing to me to strengthen me to to love people like Jesus Christ? We intentionally meet together, get together, to help each other with our faith and with our love. It's not to say that's the only thing we talk about, or that it's like some kind of demand, like, yes, I can tell you don't have enough faith, what's wrong with you? It's not that kind of thing. It's let's talk about our faith. How's your faith? Here's how I'm seeing my faith. How's your love for for people, right? How's it going? If we can help each other with faith and love, a lot of other things get sorted out along the way. Faith and love, we need that. Faith is mentioned five times in this chapter, and this is part of how we delight in one another. He says, I've got joy in the presence of God because of you. That's a wonderful thing. And the second thing we need, apart from uh, uh, faith and love, is to pray for one another. One of the ways we bond more deeply is to pray for one another. I shared with you two or three weeks ago about my friend Stevie who rebuked me for, for uh, neglecting him and uh, I I repented and it was really good and I've been connecting with friends much more in the last two weeks. I've spent quite a lot more time on the phone or just seeing people and it's been a great blessing to me. One of the things that's happened also is it's changed the way I pray for people because when I'm seeing people I have them more in mind. Or when I, even if it's on the phone or on Zoom uh, at least I'm At least I'm connecting and I'm praying. And as I pray for people and then I see them, it changes the dynamic of our time together. Praying together. This is Paul's heart is to pray for them. He prays for them that may our God and Father himself do this. May the Lord make your love increase. May he strengthen your hearts. He's praying for them. A church that doesn't pray for each other is not going to be a close, loving church. You don't have to pray for everybody every day. But how about getting through everybody in the congregation at least once a week? Maybe? Praying for one another. Speaking of faith and love and praying for one another. We do those two things. I think we'll find our relationships much more deep. Go to the next slide, please. So I've highlighted there, in green, the words you or your, and in red, us and we. Do you see how much this is about relationships? Paul's writing to them about you, you, them. He's talking about himself and Timothy and Silas, we and us and our. And he mentions God at the end, our God and Father, our Lord Jesus. Because it's all founded fundamentally on who God is. It's all about relationship. He's going to get into some doctrine and stuff in chapter 4. We'll come to that in a week or so. But it is about people. We are people, people. Maybe you don't think you're a people person. You're about a bit, perhaps you're a bit of an introvert. That's okay. But you're still in the people business if you're a Christian on some level. Delighting in one another. Something happened uh, recently that's uh, highlighted this for me. Next slide. So as many of you will know, last Sunday was the second anniversary of my mum's death. And uh, so I went down to Kent and after church in Thames Valley and joined my sister and her family and my father and my father's house uh, for a time of remembrance. And uh, I went to the grave. That's the uh, photograph from Sunday. My mother on the other side there. And it was a very special time as a family, uh, sober and somber in some ways, but also joyful in others because we were having a laugh and remembering fun things. And we were sharing our our pleasant memories uh, with each other of my mother and, and times together. Um, That was on the Sunday. On the Monday, I went up to the grave, which is nearby. Spent some time there, as I do whenever I visit, having a chat with mum and asking her some advice. She always gives me really good advice. I'm not kidding, I do get really good advice. But one of the things I was talking to her about was remembering how she used to greet me. So when you go, some of you have been to my parents' house, and Charlie, Jeanette have been, and a few others. I can, I think, have been to the house. Um, you go around to the back of the house, that's the main entrance that's used, and as you go in, you open the back door, and as you look down through the room, my mother had a little office, a little cubbyhole office, at the other end of that short little room. And so, whenever I went to visit, I'd open that back door, she'd be in, almost always in her little office, she'd turn her chair 45 degrees, to, to 90 degrees to look at me, and, hello Malcolm, and her face would light up. My mother had a wonderful smile. And her face would just be, she'd she'd be focused on something on the computer. And she'd turn around and go, it's just a transformation of her face. And it was, what I was talking to her about up there was, I am so grateful that you delighted in me. She delighted to see me. Didn't matter what was going on in her life. And my mother, as many of you know, had a great deal of pain all her adult life. Didn't matter. Didn't matter what was going on in my life or hers. She delighted to see me. Now, I'm not the only one she delighted to see. She delighted to see Penny and my sister and, lots of, and my dad and lots of other people, too. But I remember, it was two years ago, but I, I was thinking about this, and I remember the feeling in me when I saw her delight in me and how much it lifted my spirit. It's so powerful. So powerful. And you know, I think... I, I don't know anybody who delights in me in the same way as my mother did, right? I, I don't know. I mean, I know some of the time Penny delights in me. Sometimes when I behave myself. Uh, it, it, depends, it depends on my behavior. But, uh, you know, that's... Uh, uh, but my mother, it was like every single time. I don't know anybody who delighted in quite the same way. And it, it's powerful, and it's in me, and I can't—I cannot ever forget it. But here's the thing. Doesn't God feel that way about every one of us? Doesn't God feel that way about you? When you wake up in the morning, God's like, oh, what a delight. Another day, walking with my child, my daughter, my son on this earth. Another day. Wow. He delights. And if he delights in us, then... We really should and can delight in one another. Working our way to that with a pure heart is really important. Reflecting on how we can delight in one another. Delight is a rare thing in this world. But it should be the the norm in a place like this. Next slide. Our daughter, Lydia, is pregnant. I had nothing to do with it. uh, It's good news. I was thinking about delighting in the past, now I'm thinking about delighting in a new life in the future. Maybe you haven't felt that much delight in relationships in your past, but you can in the future. There's a new birth, new life coming. I pray that we'll... Reflect on these things, because in the end, life <laughs> life on this earth, it's about faith inspiring us to love. And Jesus considers us worth dying for, right? John 15, 13, laying down his life for who? His friends. He laid down his life for his friends. As such, let us lay down our lives for one another, delight in one another. Helping each other with our love and our faith. Praying for one another consistently. Building a community here of love that the world would envy. Pray this is also helpful. And we're going to have a prayer now for our final song. And our prayer uh, is by Ben. And pray for us.